0: Good morning, everyone. Great to see you today. So I started off the new year doing the paleo diet. That was pretty cool. That, that worked for about like a couple months, maybe a m- month. All right, a couple weeks. I, so I did the paleo for a couple weeks. And then I got a hold of Whole30, which is really cool. If you're looking for a healthy alternative, that's the way to do it. Drop 17 pounds. But, you know, as October went through and we had Halloween candy... And as we started moving towards, I'm I'm here to, to declare that this is what I call the break-even year. Because by the time Thanksgiving dinner was over, I I had gained those 20 pounds right back again, and I'm just happy. So if you can ever break even at the end of the year, I think that's a pretty good place to be. So um, I hope all of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We had a great time. We had grandkids in, and, and they just wore us out. And it, which is fun. I mean, it's all good fun. And also, a little healing moment. Um, if I could ask you if you're a South Carolina Gamecocks fan and you're a Clemson fan, this is a place of peace, okay? This is a place of peace. I know things went down last night that maybe not everybody's excited about, but when we join here together, this is a place of peace. So we have got Angel Tree ready to go for you. So if you're looking for an opportunity as a family to be a a part of the foster care program of the Bear Foundation, we invite you to just grab one of those angels and make it happen for a young child today. They're ready to go, and you can pick them up as you walk out the door today. Also, if you're interested in being a small group leader, which is a real neat opportunity to kind of connect with what God's doing in the family of Crosstown and what he's doing in his church, we invite you to join us this coming Thursday. We've got a free barbecue dinner with child care ready to go at 7 o'clock, we'll tell you a little bit about it. If you're a, a small group leader at this particular time, we want to invite you to it as well and just be a part of it and share your story with the rest of us about what God's done in your, your small group. So, if you're even thinking about it, but you're not really sure whether or not you're the right person or this is the right time, come anyway. Find out all the information and hear about what God could do through your life. And then there's tonight. Tonight is the hanging of the greens. It's kind of our one touchwood tradition here in the Charleston area where we decorate the church for Christmas time, it's a lot of fun. We, you know, we have food, we invite you to bring it your favorite dessert. Even if you pick it up at Publix, just make sure you take it out of the plastic, maybe throw it on a nice dish, make it look like your grandmother's cookies. You know what, I think our grandmothers were buying from Publix also, weren't they? Everybody talks about, well, my mother's cranberry sauce. You know, she used to pop that stuff out of a can 50 years ago. So we invite you to be a part of that. It starts at five o'clock. If you're interested in football, we will have uh, one of the football games playing here on the wall so uh, you don't have to miss your favorite game. It's a really good opportunity for you to meet somebody. We're not going to be talking a lot about Jesus or ask you to give your testimony or for you to pray out loud or anything like that. It is going to be all about decorating the outside of the building, the inside of the building for Christmas. and It's just a great time to get to meet people and and just have some fun. So that starts tonight at at 5. And uh, today we're continuing our series on Inside Out. And we'll be starting a new Advent series next week. And you can be a part of that with your app. You can download the readings that we'll have every single day for the next, like, 30 days leading up to Christmas on your app. You can follow it. You can have devotions with your families, little conversations with your kids at the dinner table or for yourself. We also have Advent Reefs. If you haven't been able to purchase one of those, we've purchased them for you. So if you don't have one yet please we have a limited amount but pick them up either right after the service today or tonight at Hanging of the greens so today though we're we're continuing to focus on this idea of living um, inside out and I know this series has really transformed my personal life because I was really not somebody who believed in joy. I always thought joy was a pie in the sky kind of thing and And then we begin to take a journey of the power of joy, the science of joy, the spiritual strength and the social uh, aspect of joy in our lives. And we're going to continue to do that as Stacey comes. We're going to continue to see how when we make these choices for joy, choosing love, that it has a dramatic impact, not only on our spiritual well-being, but on our social well-being and even on our physical bodies as well. So let's listen.
1: Well, thank you, and good morning to everyone. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I'm kind of joyful about it. So um, it's exciting to be here on this um, holiday weekend. I hope you guys all had a great wonderful Thanksgiving and we are glad that you are here. If you're visiting with someone and they kind of brought you here this morning, grace and peace to you. And we are so thrilled that you are with us this morning. So as Pastor Paul was saying, we are kind of in this series about looking at the power of joy. And we've looked at the differences between the idea of happiness versus joy. And I have to be honest, part of me um, before we started the series thought, you know, that's just something church people say. Really, happiness and joy are basically the Same, and I can be happy or joyful, and they're just semantics. But as Pastor Paul has been leading us through this series, looking at what the Bible has been saying through the book of Philippians by the Apostle Paul, we've been able to discover that there really is a difference between happiness and joy and understanding what those differences are. And so the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the church at Philippi, which is why we call the book Philippians, and As he's been writing this letter, it's a really short letter. It's only four chapters. So if you are bored and you don't have anything else to do, I encourage you, um, just read through it. It's It's a pretty easy read. I read through it this morning. Um, but in this letter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church to encourage them. So this letter is to, is written to the church to encourage them in different aspects and in different areas. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Philippians 4. You can go ahead and turn to that. If you don't have your Bible um, and you have our app, you can, down, you can open up our app and then click on the inside out. And it will take you right to the sermon notes for today. And it also has a link to an online Bible. So that's available. For you, and we'll have it on the screen as well. But throughout this letter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he wants to remind them a few things. And basically, he is telling them choose joy, love others, and give thanks. And if you don't get anything else today, if you apply those three things to your life, it is going to change the way you interact and the way people interact with you. If you can decide to choose joy, to love others and to give thanks, then it really will make a big difference in your life and in the lives of the people around you. But that is a lot easier said than done because I don't know where you're coming from off of this holiday weekend and I don't know how easy it was for you to choose joy. Maybe you are like me and you're coming off of a Thanksgiving where there was one empty seat at the table um, because a loved one is no longer with you. And if that's where you're coming from, I understand that. That's where I was this year. Um, My father passed away earlier this year, so this is my first holiday season without him. And I have had to choose to be joyful and to give thanks and to love others, even though there is part of my heart that is sad. I know that he's better off, but there's still part of my heart that's sad that I don't get to see him this year at Christmas and at Thanksgiving. And so wherever you are, we get to choose joy, love others, and give thanks. You know, we've been talking about this idea of happiness, and I love the definition that Pastor Paul gave to us early on in this series, that happiness is circumstantial, but joy is a choice to look beyond our circle. So happiness is circumstantial because what happens is if we are happy, we're standing in our circle and we're looking at the circumstances around our life and going, this is good, this is good, this is good, eh, it's not so good, but mostly good, so I'm going to be happy. But joy is looking beyond your circle and it is deciding to be joyful, to have this feeling this experience of joy that is beyond any circumstance we face that's why it's a choice that we make and and the apostle paul understands that our circumstances can cause us to be anxious because what happens a lot of times is there's something in my circle that isn't what i want and so then i begin to worry and i begin to fret about it and i begin to lose that feeling of happiness And so I begin to be anxious. And the Apostle Paul talks to us about that in his letter. At the very end of Philippians, in Philippians 4, he begins to address the idea of anxiety. And um, I don't know about you guys, but the holidays tend to bring up some anxiety in me. So... If you're like me, then it probably at some point between now and December 25th, you're going to have anxiety over something to surround the holidays. And so if you know that's coming, let's look to see and be encouraged by what the Apostle Paul has to share with us today. So we're going to take a closer look in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. And um, in verse 4, he starts talking to us and he's, he's finishing up his letter. And the way he kind of brings his letter to an end is he wants to give an exhortation, an encouragement, and a prayer. Basically, he is saying, you guys can do this. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to choose joy, love others, and give thanks. That's that exhortation. And then he encourages them by saying, you got this. You can do this. And then he prays for them. And so we're just going to look, starting in verse 4. He says to them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice Now, I don't know about you guys, but I want that. I want that peace that surpasses understanding. I want it to guard my heart and my mind. And today we're just going to kind of look at what these verses are saying and how to understand them. Because when I'm reading scripture and I hear that, I'm like, that's great. I don't think there's anyone in this room that says, no, I don't want any of that. I don't really need peace. I don't want to rejoice. I'm good. I'm happy being miserable. I don't think any of us feel that way. I think the big disconnect happens Because we have a hard time understanding how to rejoice. So he says it twice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, let your gentleness, let your spirit of kindness be known because the Lord is at hand. And when he talks about the Lord is at hand, he's using this phrase in a couple of ways. He's kind of reminding them, remember, Christ died for us And he rose again so that we could have life. That was real fresh for them. It was real close to them. It's been over 2,000 years for us. So this is an encouragement and a reminder for us that Christ has done this for us. And he's also reminding them the presence of God is residing here with his people. He's recently kind of reminded me of that, that God's presence is in God's people, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so he's also saying, and and Christ is coming again as we're moving into Advent, starting next week it's the arrival the coming of Christ and we're going to be looking at the arrival of Jesus Christ for the first time but you know what the good news of the gospel is he's coming back he's coming back for us and so that's what the apostle Paul is saying because when I first read that rejoice I'll tell you again rejoice the Lord is at hand, don't be anxious. And I'm like, wait, this is kind of weird how he went from rejoice and then the Lord's here and don't be anxious, but it makes sense. He's saying we have reason to rejoice because we have a Savior who is reigning. And so because of that, we are told in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Now, if you are like me and I read that, I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit of a word nerd. So what I immediately do is I go look up the original word for that word, anything. Because obviously we know the Bible wasn't written in English. So I go back to the Greek and I'm like, what does that word anything mean? Because maybe it means that I can get away with worrying about some things. Because some things are stressful. And so maybe I can get away with it. But I, I did some research Um, I was hoping that it would say that I could worry about some of the things, like, that are bigger, that, you know, right, I get, don't be anxious about anything, don't worry about running 10 minutes late to work, don't worry about the fact that you forgot to order your son's lunch for the second day in a row and he doesn't have lunch at school, Um, don't worry about overeating over Thanksgiving, don't worry about those things, but I was hoping that it it gave me some wiggle room that I could worry about the big things. Because there are some things in life that are hard. There are some things in life that are bigger than I am. But the truth is, this basically says, when it says don't worry about anything, it literally is be anxious for nothing. It means not one thing. Not one thing. We are told in Scripture that we are to be anxious. We are to worry for not one thing, whether it is big or small. Okay, how do I do that? What do you mean don't be anxious about anything? Nothing? Not one thing? There's not one thing? Because, you know, you've probably heard the saying, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Y'all, I don't know if I believe that. There's some things that we are facing that are not small stuff. And that's a great little adage, oh, don't sweat, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. You know, that's a great thing to put on a bumper sticker, but that is not theology or faith that is going to hold up when you have just been issued divorce papers, when you've just been given the diagnosis of cancer, when your son has a lump on his arm and you don't know what it is. That theology of don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff, it is not going to hold up. It is not going to sustain those things in life that hit us because some things in life are not small. So what do we do? How do we respond when we're told, hey, I want you to rejoice. Again, I'm going to tell you to rejoice because the Lord is at hand. He is near to you. So be anxious for nothing. Okay, how do I do that? Well, that's why I love the Apostle Paul because he just lays it out. Keep reading. And he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Okay, so I'm not allowed to be anxious. I'm told don't be anxious, but we're to pray with supplication and thanksgiving. So that means I have to start giving thanks? That seems kind of opposite. When I'm anxious about something and I'm fearful and I'm worried about something, then I'm supposed to pray and give thanks? But I will tell you from my own personal experience, that is exactly the remedy to anxiety in your life. If you are feeling anxious about something and you begin praying, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, about what that looks like, and giving thanks to God, then it really does begin to diminish the anxiety in your life. So my son's 11, and earlier this week he was asking us, because we're talking about Thanksgiving, because we just celebrated Thanksgiving as we were leading up to it, he's asking me all kinds of questions about why do we celebrate Thanksgiving. And, you know, I'm sure he's heard all the stories, but to be honest, I was like, I don't know. Let's look and see when the very first thing. He wanted to know when was the very first Thanksgiving. Did they call it Thanksgiving, all this stuff? How did it end up being on this Thursday in November every year? So we began doing some research about Thanksgiving and the first Thanksgiving. And to be honest, um, you guys may already know this, but we don't know a lot about the first Thanksgiving. But we do know a couple of things. And what we do know is that we know that 102 people came over to the New World. And after the first winter, those that survived had a big feast for about three days to give thanks. Because you know how many survived? 53 Out of the 102 people that came over for that first year, 53 of them survived. I don't know about you, but if I got on a boat with 102 people and at the end of that winter only 53 of us survived... I think I would be fearful, anxious, and ready to go back home and be scared to death. I don't know that I would have been like, okay, let's give thanks. This is great. But they understood that secret there of giving thanks. They were barely surviving. They were barely surviving, but they chose to give thanks. And that has established a holiday that we now celebrate once a year. And for some of us, we came into this past Thursday barely surviving, barely making it. And so what are we called to do when we're barely hanging on? We're called to give thanks. How in the world can we do that? How in the world when you are barely making it, when you feel like there's been such loss of life, loss of relationships, to give thanks, when you don't see a way at the end to be able to give thanks? Well, the truth is we have a choice to make. Again, it is a choice that we get to make. We can choose anxiety, which is really this idea of carrying the burden of the future by myself. I can choose to be anxious and worry about the future and carry that burden all by myself. Or we can cast our burden on Jesus. We can literally take our anxieties, our fears, and our worries and give them to Christ, Because he tells us that. He tells us in 1 Peter 5, he starts telling us that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and casting our anxieties on him. That we're supposed to humble ourselves under his mighty hand, casting our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And see, some of us are sitting here and going, he doesn't care for me. Because this happened and this happened and this happened. He doesn't care for me. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. He absolutely cares for you. He cares for you. He knows you. Whether or not you know him or understand his word fully, he cares for you and he wants you. He invites you to cast your anxieties on him. And when it talks about this in 1 Peter and it's saying humble yourselves, right before this, it talks about clothing ourselves in humility and understanding that we can't carry the burden of our future. I am a control freak. Y'all, I am so much of a control freak. I have a car that ba- it beeps at me when I'm backing up, and the other day it was beeping at me as I was backing up, and I'm like, I am way smarter than my car. I know I'm not going to hit anything. Well, my car did not agree with me. It literally slammed on brakes and jerked me forward, and I was still like, wasn't going to hit anything. I'm sure I was going to hit something, but I'm such a control freak that I'm like, no, I'm in control. I have this. And sometimes I need God to hit the brakes for me. And the way that I do that is I yield to him. I surrender to him. I humble myself because really the idea of humbling ourselves is saying, Lord, I don't have this. I, don't, I can't control my future. I can't control what happens in my relationships. So I'm going to cast my anxiety on you. And casting our anxieties is active. It is an action that we do. We step into casting our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And so when anxiety wells up inside of us, Instead of sitting there and brooding over it and holding on to it and thinking about it and ruminating over those thoughts and what if and what if and what if, what if, if, instead of doing that, begin throwing them on Jesus because he cares for us and he wants to take that. See, this is an active thing, and the truth is, our actions form our thoughts, form our actions. So our thoughts are the formation of what we end up doing. And so when we have anxious thoughts, those thoughts can form actions that are going to lead to anxious behavior. But if you grab those thoughts and you say, I, that's not what I'm going to choose. I am going to choose n- not to be anxious, but to give thanks. Then those thoughts will form your actions. So the question that God's been asking me this week is, is your fear stronger than your faith? Or is your faith stronger than your fear? Which one is stronger, my fear or my faith? Because when fear is running rampant in my life and it's being elevated, my faith is being diminished. But if I allow my faith to be stronger than my fear, anxiety and worry go away. And I was faced with that this week when I am studying and I'm preparing to teach a lesson The Lord often does this for me. He puts me in a situation where I'm faced to really say, do you really believe what your mouth is going to say to these people on Sunday morning? And so earlier this week, I ended up taking my son to the doctor, to the pediatrician, because he has a really big lump underneath his arm, and we don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. We think it might be a lymph node. We don't know why. And... I will tell you, just based on experience, especially with my son and all of that, there's some anxiety that wells up inside of me. And I had to ask myself, what's going to be stronger this week, Stacey? Is your fear going to be stronger or is your faith in the Lord going to be stronger this week? And it was a battle. And you know what I started doing? I started giving thanks. I started saying, Lord, you love Joshua more than I love Joshua. You know everything about him and I don't. Your ways are higher than my ways. And so, Lord, this anxiety that I feel about what is this, how is this going to turn out, I'm giving it back to you and I am going to stand in your promises because you care for me and your word tells me I can cast my fear on you, I can cast my anxieties on you because you care for me. And the truth is, God does care for every single one of us. And so I am choosing to trust Him. Trusting God and anxiety are polar opposites. You cannot truly, actively trust God and be filled with constant anxiety. I don't mean that anxious thoughts aren't going to come your way, they may. Just don't let them take up residence and live there. Choose to trust God. I have that conversation with him all the time. Of course I trust you, God. Of course I trust you. And he just very gently and kindly reminds me, then let your actions show that you trust me. Stop trying to control everything. Begin giving thanks to me because I care about you. And he cares about you guys. So where is our attitude in relation to trusting God? Are we at a place where we truly trust that he knows better than we do? When we don't see how it's going to work out, when we don't understand what it's going to be? Psalm fifty five twenty two tells us also, so that idea of casting your anxiety on the Lord, it's in the New Testament, but it's in the Old Testament too. And I love when it comes together from the New Testament and the Old Testament because to me that's a really good rock-solid theology that I can build on because it's throughout Scripture. So Psalm 55, 2 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Now, if you are like me and you hear that verse, you love the beginning. Cast your burden on the Lord, your anxiety, your fears, all of those stresses. Cast them on the Lord. He will sustain you. Right there, I want to stop. That's all I wanted to read to you today, honestly. Because that next part makes me uncomfortable. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I'm just going to be honest. When I read that, I'm like, okay, but I'm not righteous. So maybe he is going to permit that I get moved. I want to tell you what the Lord has been telling me in that. If you are in Christ, then you are the righteousness of God in Christ. He has said that for you today. I don't care what your, where, what your background is, what you've been doing. If you are in Christ, if you have accepted His free gift of salvation, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know. I don't feel that a lot of times. You know what one of the greatest anxieties that brings up the greatest anxiety of me? It's my sin. It's when I have those rebellious attitudes, thoughts, and actions against the principles of the Lord and his precepts and his laws. That's one of the things that causes me the greatest anxiety. And so what do I do with that? Well, David, who wrote this psalm, knew that all too well. He was a man who said... My sin gives me anxiety. I get that. And he's saying, but if you cast your anxiety and your worries and your fear on the Lord, he will sustain you. He will not let the righteous be moved. And we are the righteousness of God. As a matter of fact, Romans 3.21 says, God has manifested his righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. God has demonstrated his righteousness through faith in Jesus. Righteousness, we're told in the book of Philippians. Righteousness does not come on our own accord. There is nothing I can do to make myself righteous. So if I didn't have that extra glass of wine, I didn't gossip, I didn't have that critical thought, that is not what makes me righteous. That is not what makes you righteous. You are the righteousness of Of God through your faith in Christ Jesus have you stepped out in faith in Christ Jesus if you're here and you have not done that I encourage you do that today and then it is done you are the righteousness of God because the righteousness is given to us through our faith in Christ and that's how we can go to Psalm 55 and we can hold on to that verse and we can say I'm gonna cast my burden on the Lord because he will sustain me because he will not be he will not permit the righteous to fall He will sustain us. And so if you are here today and you are in Christ, that is true of you. Hold on to that truth. Don't believe the lies that you are responsible for your righteousness because you are not. And no matter how good or how bad you are, if you're in Christ, you are the righteousness. And I love that the apostle Paul is even telling them that before he gets to this in Philippians 4. He's telling them that. In Philippians 3, he's saying, you know, it's not of my own. It doesn't come through the law. It's through faith in Christ. That's the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So instead of giving into the anxiety over our sin, over the things that we wish that we weren't doing anymore, instead of just feeling anxious about it, begin casting that back to the Lord. So repent. God, I'm sorry I just had a critical thought. God, I'm sorry that I just stepped out in anger. God, I'm sorry that I was gossiping. Whatever it is, whatever you're doing, that you, and then it wells up anxiety, don't sit in that anxiety. Give it right back to him. And then you know what you do? Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your, for your forgiveness. When my kids were younger, and even now we still have this thing, you know, they'll, they have to say they're sorry, and I'm sorry that I, you know, xyz and will you forgive me and so we do that we have that language in our family and then there are times when some of us will say you know I'm really sorry a lot of times I'll go back and go you know I'm really sorry about that right I do it to Chris all the time like hey babe I'm really sorry I just yelled at you when you were trying to get me my coffee I'm sorry I was rude and he's like I know I already forgave you Uh, because if he brings me my coffee before 6 a.m it's not a pretty thing (laughs) but that's crazy because he's bringing me my coffee so I should just be (laughs) thankful right (laughs) right I know, I know. Um, But but then we, we have this language where we say, now walk in the forgiveness that you've been given. And so if you are struggling with that and you have asked God to forgive you of your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sins. And so instead of trying to bring it back and telling him, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just say, thank you for your forgiveness. It was one of the things that I was most thankful for this year at Thanksgiving was the idea that God's forgiveness is given to us. It is freely given to every single one of us. If you will receive his forgiveness, he gives it to you. So when your sin begins to well up anxiety in you because you don't feel righteous, if you're in Christ, confess it, repent, and give thanks. And then move on keep going. So when we begin to look at the idea of anything, not one thing, through the lens of this truth, we can begin to understand what the apostle Paul was talking about when he would say things like he's learned to be content no matter the circumstance, which he tells us just a few verses later after he says, don't be anxious and you're going to get the peace of God that surpasses understanding. He goes on to say, because I have learned the secret of being content no matter my circumstance. He's reminding them That the joy of the Lord, that this joy that we can experience, that we've learned about scientifically over the last few weeks, that we've learned has physical effects on our body, he's saying, I have learned how to walk in that joy no matter my circumstance. It doesn't matter what my circle has in it, it doesn't matter what happens. The Apostle Paul was saying, I can be content because I have a God who has saved me and has set me free from life and death. He has removed us out of the dominion of darkness and set us into the kingdom of light. Now that is something to be joyful about. That is something to rejoice. And so he goes on, God God goes on to remind us through the Apostle Paul that he cares for every single one of us. He cares about every single one of us. And if we are in Christ, he is faithful to complete the good work that he started in us. And so Philippians 1-4 tells us that. The Apostle Paul starts off this letter by saying, he will be faithful to complete the good work that he has started in you. And I'm here to tell you, if you are here this morning, if you hear this message, he is starting a good work in you. And it's your choice. Do you want to receive that good work? Because he will be faithful to complete the good work that he has started in you. And you can begin walking in that relationship with him. So if you are here and you've been listening to this and you're checking out this whole God thing and you're just not sure about it. I just want to encourage you today. Today make that choice to step into relationship with Him. I know you don't understand it. I didn't understand it when I began it. I still at times shake my head and say, I don't fully understand this, God. I never will this side of heaven. But I'm going to choose to surrender and stop trying to take control. And I'm going to give you thanks, God. So the Apostle Paul tells us, you know, that God wants to give us a peace that surpasses understanding. So we're told in the rest of this scripture to continue to make our request known to God. So he says, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, I'm like, prayer and supplication, okay, make our request known to God. Those sound like big fancy words to me. Supplication, prayer, what's the difference there? Basically, he's saying prayer means talk to God. Just talk to God. See, if you're like me too, when I begin praying, even now, and I feel like, I, you know, I'm sort of a professional Christian kind of thing, I still struggle with the idea of praying and trying to figure out what does it look like to pray. What do, I, do I have to, like, sit, stand, sit still? Do I have to fold my hands? Do I have to close my eyes? Do I have to get on my knees? Is it okay to pray in my car? Can I pray with my eyes open? Anybody else? Or is that just me? <laughs> Those are the things I think about, you know. I'm like, I'm not sure. How, how do I do this? Prayer means talk to God. So just start having a conversation with him. I want to give you the same advice that Nike has given us. Just do it. Just do it. I mean, honestly, what what are you waiting on? If you're like, yeah, but I don't know how to pray to God. Just start talking to him like you would talk to me, like you would talk to your friend. Yeah, it's going to feel weird at first, okay? It's going to be uncomfortable. And you might not even feel anything when you begin this conversation with him. He is faithful. He hears you. He doesn't want a bunch of eloquent words. He doesn't want you to put on a bunch of pretense. It's actually one of the things that he really, when Jesus was here, he really attacked the Pharisees about the way they prayed. He doesn't want that. He wants your heart conversation with him. You know when you first start dating someone, you have some awkward conversations and you're not sure how to make that conversation? Just just start like that with him. Just start talking to him. He will be faithful. And when we begin praying and when we begin talking to him and we have these conversations and we practice this over time and we keep doing this and we give thanks to him for allowing us to come to him where we are because he wants us right where we are. He doesn't want you to clean up anything and become righteous. He says, no, no, I've done that for you. I want you where you are. Come Talk to me, give thanks, and I will, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The language, what what we miss is the language the Apostle Paul is using when he's writing this letter. Because obviously he didn't write this letter to us. He wrote it to the church, but it's for our benefit today. But actually, what, what would have been in the mind of the people reading this letter, there was the Roman government was set up in the town of Philippi. And they had these military garrisons, these soldiers that were set to protect the city against attack. And that is exactly the kind of language the metaphor that the Apostle Paul is using right here is this language of a military set of soldiers that are setting up a perimeter guard to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. They are setting up a perimeter to protect us from anxiety, worry and fear. So when you read that and there's a, a piece that surpasses all understanding and it's going to guard your heart and your mind if you're visual like i am i picture my heart and then i picture these soldiers standing there all the way around my heart with arms that are going to protect from worry and anxiety and when we begin giving thanks to god and praying to god speaking to him making our requests known he wants to know what you're thinking he already knows it okay So just be honest and tell him. He wants that. He wants you to talk to him about it. And when you begin doing that, he's going to begin giving you a peace that surpasses understanding. So think about that military fortress that will stand around your heart and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The truth is we are living in perilous times. But we serve a glorious God who wants to go before us, who wants to give us a peace. And I will tell you, I have friends right now, I have family members right now, dear loved ones who are walking through very difficult, painful trials. And I look at them and I see the peace of God and it is encouraging to me. It strengthens my faith so that when I get bumped and I have fear that wells up, I can see their faith and I see that their faith is stronger than their fear. And it's an encouragement to me. And so when you begin stepping out in faith and you begin giving thanks to God, even though... The world is looking and going, there is nothing in your circle that you should be thankful for. But you have an attitude of gratitude. And that thought process leads to actions that strengthen your faith. You begin being a light in the darkness. You begin encouraging other people. So wherever you are today, wherever you're going to find yourself throughout this holiday season, anxiety is going to creep in, okay? It's coming. We're all going to be anxious at different times for different reasons, and it's going to begin creeping in. Remember the remedy for what ails you. It is to give thanks to God. It is beginning to give thanks back to God for all that he has done for us and to remind ourselves of what he has done for us. And so we're about to move into this time of expressions. And this is a time for us to respond to what God's been saying to us. So we're about to move in this moment and the worship team's gonna lead us in a song. And as they're doing that, What we're doing is creating a space so that our hearts can respond to what God's been saying to us this morning. God has been speaking. He is here. It doesn't matter how far you are from him. His presence is in this place today. His peace is here today. And he says, I want to give you my peace today. Jesus tells us in the New Testament, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. I'm not taking it back. I want my peace to rest on you. So during this moment, wherever you are, we encourage you to respond to God. Yeah, you might have a little bit of fear and a little bit of anxiety welling up because it's going to maybe be a little bit uncomfortable. I encourage you, push through that feeling of uncomfortable so that you can move into the presence of God so he can speak to you today and so for you today maybe during this moment of expression maybe this is a time where you want to come over and receive the body and the blood of Christ which is known as the Eucharist the table of thanksgiving that's what that word in Philippians says give thanks it's this idea of reminding ourselves and giving thanks for the sacrifice of Christ where his blood Blood was shed for the forgiveness of my sins, and they are many. But God did that even when I was an enemy with him. His word says, yet even when you are an enemy... I loved you, and I shed the blood of forgiveness for your sins. So maybe today you want to be reminded of that. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if you are in Christ. And don't let anyone, yourself or the world, tell you any different. So you might want to come and receive communion and accept the grace and the peace of our Lord and Savior. Or maybe for you today, that that thing is weighing on you and it is a burden that is so heavy that you are literally feeling like rocks are being heaped upon your back and you are being crushed under the weight of the burden that you are carrying do what scripture says and cast your burden at the feet of the cross write it down i know it seems impossible but we serve a god who moves mountains we serve a god where nothing is impossible In Philippians, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things. And nothing is impossible for our God. And so you don't want to carry that burden anymore. Actively cast it at the feet of Jesus. Give it to him. And you may have to give it to him in an hour. And you may have to give it to him again tomorrow. But be active in giving it back. Start in the formation of your thoughts. Move into that action Or maybe for you today, you want to pray with our pastors and our elders and let them pray over you and pray for you and share that burden. Other places in Scripture we're talking about where we're supposed to share our burdens with other ones. Some of us think nobody can know. Nobody can know what I am dealing with. That is a lie. We are to bring it into the light. And I know it's scary, but as soon as you share that burden and you pray with our pastors and our elders, you will be amazed at the peace that you will begin receiving in Christ. Or maybe for you today, you're gonna stay right where you are and you are gonna praise him in worship where your heart is surrendered to him. You don't know the outcome. You don't know what the future holds, but you don't wanna try and carry that anymore. And you're gonna stand right there and you're gonna praise him today. Wherever you are, I encourage you Don't let your fear outweigh your faith this morning. Move into this moment and respond to God. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who cares for us. Every single person in this room today You care for them with a loving, tender kindness, with affection, Father, with compassion. And we thank you that that is who you are and that we can walk in acceptance of that, Father. We thank you that we have the opportunity to cast our burdens, our anxiety, our fear, our worry, our stress, our trials on you, Father, that we can give them to you and that we can begin telling you what our heart is struggling with, we can make our requests known to you. And Father, we thank you that you then begin giving a, a peace to us against worry and fear and doubt and anxiety. Father, we thank you for that. We invite your presence to fill us up right now, to move in our hearts. Father, I pray that we have courage to step in confidence of what you are asking us to do today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.